0: And before we read the scripture um, I just wanted to acknowledge one more thing I'm gonna ask uh, uh, if you've noticed there's a few young men here in uniform today and I want to just recognize why they are these young men are a part of what's called civil air patrol Um, they're in uh, that group and I'm gonna ask them to stand up right now Um, they are serving and learning And uh, doing everything that uh, uh, young cadets would do to learn how to go further into the military Um, some of them have even already flown planes so uh, that's pretty cool let's give them a hand today for their thank you fellas all right if you have your Bibles with you today uh, for those of you that might be new uh, we're taking a, a journey through the book of Philippians we're going verse by verses and uh, chunk by chunk. And we are actually in chapter 2. We're going to finish up uh, chapter 2 today uh, by reading verses 19 through 30 and uh, um, taking a look at what the Lord has to say here. And I want to just share with you how fitting it is that the Lord's timing has put this together on this particular Sunday. So if you would, if you found your place, if not, it will be on the screen so you can stand with me as we honor the reading of the word of the Lord today. I know you feel like you're a yo-yo, but that's okay. This is important. All right. So second second chapter of Philippians, verse 19. And we're going to read down through the end of the chapter. And he goes on to say, But I trust in the Lord Jesus to send Timotheus shortly unto you, that I also may be of good comfort when I know your state. For I have no man like-minded who will naturally care for your state. For all seek their own, not the things which are of Jesus Christ. But ye know the proof of him that as a son with the father he has served with me in the gospel. Him therefore I hope to send presently as soon as I shall see how it will go with me. But I trust in the Lord that I also myself shall come shortly. Yet I suppose it necessary to send to you Epaphroditus, my brother and companion and laborer and fellow soldier. For uh, but your messenger... And he that ministered to my wants, for he was longed after you all, and was full of heaviness because you had heard that he had been sick, for indeed, he was sick, nigh unto death, but God had mercy on him, and not only on him, but also on me also, lest I should have sorrow upon sorrow. I send him, therefore, and more carefully, that when you see him again, that you may rejoice and that I may be uh, the less sorrowful. Receive him, therefore, in the Lord with all gladness and hold such in reputation. Because of the work of Christ, he was nigh unto death, not regarding his life to supply your lack of service towards me. Father, we come before you today and thank you for the reading of the word. And Lord, as we uh, absorb the, the hearing of your word, now I pray that you would help us to meditate upon the preaching of your word. And I pray that, Father, as... I I just saw a a message come together, Lord, uh, uh, that fits this Memorial Day weekend. And Lord, I pray that your people would hear and respond to you and know that, Father, that we too have been called into a great service to which we have been called to give our all and to do our all for the glory of all. And Lord, we ask that, Father, that you would move me out of the way and hide me behind the cross. Let it not be my word, but your word proclaimed today in Jesus' name, amen. God bless you, you may be seated this morning. As is well obvious, this is Memorial Day weekend, a time to stop and to think about those who have made the ultimate sacrifice. It's fitting for us today that we come to this passage of scripture that talks about some servants who also made the ultimate sacrifice for the Lord. As we reflect upon the service of those to our country, it is always fitting that we look to those who give service to the Lord. Let's remember their service together today. In studying and looking, I read about a church in St. Bede's Episcopal Church in Santa Fe, New Mexico. They say that there's only one door into the sanctuary of that church. And over the door is a handwritten sign that reads, Servant's Entrance. There isn't any other way in or out of that church except through the servant's entrance. That's not a bad reminder of the fact that every believer is called to serve the Lord and master Jesus Christ. Unlike most sports teams, the Lord's team does not have bench warmers. So if you think that you can come and join the team and just sit on the bench, you're wrong. God's team does not have bench warmers. Everybody is a first strings player on the team. Everyone has a vital role to fulfill. The truth is a non-serving Christian is a contradiction of terms. After the doctrinal high watermark of the letter that Paul writes here, he speaks of people and work of the Lord who have left the glory of heaven to take on the form of the servant and become obedient even to the death of the cross for your sake and mine. Paul goes on to write and turns to some seemingly what we might read as mundane uh, uh, travel arrangements for Timothy and uh, Epaphroditus to return to the Philippian church. And then reminds us that he himself hopes to get there soon one day, if all goes well according to his trial. You know, you would read this scripture and think, well, this is not worthy of taking our time today to even begin to spend the time to look at. It. But the more that I dug into it, the more that I thought about this weekend, the more that I thought about the fact that all of us are called to serve and we're called to give our all and we're all called so that ultimately we will pay the price that Christ paid for us. Our lives surrendered to the cause of Christ. What greater message could there be to stop and remember their service? The man in which the Apostle Paul references here in this passage of Scripture. I hope that the Holy Spirit will help you to see uh, the illustration for us of the truth that Paul has been presenting, not just here, but throughout this entire chapter. These choice men whom Paul commends to the Philippian church, Timothy and Epaphroditus, are two men worthy of imitating. We talked about this in our Sunday school class this morning that our society has a lot of people that want to be role models, but many of them are not worth imitating. And there are those that are godly men and women that are worth our attention. And we ought to imitate them. And Timothy and Epaphroditus and Paul are among those in which we want to look to. Paul begins to remind us of a few things that we need as servants if we are to remember those that serve. If we will crave a servant's heart... If we will be willing to endure the servant's hardships that come along life's way, when it's all said and done, we will receive a servant's honor. I want to look at those three things today. And I want you in the back of your mind to be remembering that this is Memorial Day. It is a day for us to remember those who have given the ultimate sacrifice. But it is also the Lord's Day. It is God's day for us to be reminded that we're all called into the service. And there are folks that are no longer sitting in the pews among us today that have served the Lord faithfully, diligently, and fervently throughout the years so that we could have what we have today so that we could continue to serve the Lord for the next generation. They're worth remembering. It's worth taking the time to reflect upon those thoughts. So let's remember their service together today. And let's take a look at what it looks like to have a servant's heart. As we look at a servant's heart, there are some things in which we need to understand. First of all, to understand a servant's heart, we need to go back to the ultimate servant and be reminded that our Savior did not come to be served. He himself said that he did not come to serve but to give his life a ransom for many. Every Christian is blood-bought servant of the Lord Jesus Christ. Being a servant of Christ is not an option. It's not something that we check, do you want to do or not. Once you have been bought with the price of Christ's blood, you become a blood-bought servant to our Master. If you're not a servant of Christ, then you cannot rightly call yourself a Christian. Because we are all selfish by nature, we must desire the heart of a servant in order for us to grow in Christ. Paul, Timothy, and Epaphroditus illustrate men who created in themselves a servant's heart as seeking the Lord. Gives us two dimensions for seeking a servant's heart. First of all, a heart that is centered on the things of Christ. If you want a servant's heart, we've got to stop focusing on the things of this world and all of its pleasures and all of its treasures and start thinking on the things of the Lord. We need to start having a heart that is centered on things of Christ. Christ gave us a beautiful illustration of what was most important to Him. If I had a mirror today, I'd hold it up so that you could see that what is most important to Christ is you and me, the world, people. That's why he gave his life as an ultimate sacrifice. The Apostle Paul was a man also who was focused on the things of the Lord Jesus Christ. In Philippians 2.19, he says, But I hope in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you shortly. Verse 24, he says, I I trust in the Lord that I myself might come unto you soon. It's Paul's way of saying, if it be the Lord's will, I want to do this and that. It shows us that he did not make decisions based upon simple uh, common sense ideals or on what he thought would be the best plan for his day but that he submitted everything to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. And he said, Lord, whatever your will is for me today, whatever your desire is for me today, I desire to do your will over mine. The Apostle Paul said, I crucify my flesh daily, that it's not I that liveth, but Christ that liveth through me. Clearly, the Lord was the focal point of Paul's life and his ministry. He moves on to Timothy, and and Timothy's focus was also on the Lord. Paul states that unlike many others, Timothy was not seeking after his own interest. Instead, he was seeking after the interest of the things of Jesus Christ. And the Bible tells us in verse twenty-two that Timothy served Paul in the furtherance of the gospel, as a father serves a, or a son serves a father. Christ and the gospel were at the center of Timothy's life. Then Epaphroditus, also was a faithful servant who focused on the things of Christ. As a matter of fact, he pushed his life so hard. He worked so fervently for the Lord that the Bible tells us that Paul says that that he came to a place of illness that almost brought him to the brink of death. Just simply to make sure that he could give a gift that the church had sent to the Apostle Paul. He pushed his life to the very brink of death. Paul calls Epaphroditus a a minister to my needs, and states that he had completed by uh, his presence what the Philippians could not do in their absence in service to the Apostle Paul. Every servant of Jesus Christ does what he does, rather giving, helping, or speaking as an offering unto the Lord Jesus. A servant's heart is centered on the Lord Jesus Christ and His work. Now, how does one know if we have or if we are or if we're starting to develop a servant's heart? I mean, does everybody just automatically get one? I mean, okay, I got saved, so I automatically get a servant's heart? No, we have to create that in our life. So there is some... Things that I want to share with you three things that are evident so that you can look at your life and say, Am I, uh, do I have a servant's heart? Am I striving for a servant's, servant's heart? Am I moving towards a servant's heart? Three things I want you to hear this morning. First of all, uh, these three reveal to us that first and foremost, a servant's heart has some things. They're willing to be sent anywhere. They're willing to be sent anywhere. It couldn't have been easy for, the, for Timothy to leave the side of the, his beloved father in the faith in order to go and serve in Philippi. But he was willing to go wherever God wanted him to go, wherever he was needed to serve the Lord. It couldn't have been easy for Epaphroditus to leave the comforts of his home and journey from Philippi to Rome where Paul was in prison just to bring him a gift from the church. But yet he was willing to go wherever the Lord called him to go. He was willing to go wherever the Lord was leading. He was willing to go wherever the Lord needed him to be. I've got a question for you this morning. Have you... Ever told the Lord, I'm willing to go wherever you need me to go? I'm willing to go wherever you want me to go? I'm willing to go wherever you need me to go? So many folks say, no, preacher, no, no. I, I'm, I'm, I'm not falling into that because I know if if I say that... Um, You know, that that little jungle in the the, the midst of nowhere land where where people don't speak a language that anybody knows? That's exactly where God's going to send me. And I don't want to go there. Boy, I often think that we have such a skewed view of who God is. You know, the Bible tells us that He is our heavenly Father. How many of us were told by our father that we were gonna go, well, wait a minute, I gotta be careful, I told my kids I was sending them to boarding school many times. Uh, Wait a minute, Uh, how many of us as fathers ever threatened our children or said we're gonna send you to some foreign place where you don't wanna be? No, we love our kids even though they drive us crazy at times. We're not gonna send them where they don't wanna go. Our Heavenly Father loves us. He's not going to send us to some obscure place in in, in, in outer Mongolia where where, where, where we don't want to be. What God's looking for is a willing heart, a servant's heart that says, God, wherever you need me, if you need me across the street, if you need me at the school, if you need me at the town, or if you need me here, wherever, Lord, I'm available. I'm your servant. You know, we have a Heavenly Father that loves us enough to know where to send us best. The second thing that we need to have if we're going to have a willing heart and a way to understand if we are, is this. They were willing to serve anyone. They're not only willing to go wherever God needed them, but they're willing to serve anyone. Timothy served Paul, but he was willing to go and serve the Philippian church. Epaphroditus served at the Philippian church, but he was willing to go and serve alongside Paul. I'm reminded in the scripture we hear of a man by the name of Philip. You remember Philip was sent by God to Samaria where he was engaged in a great outreach to multiples People, hundreds of people, he was preaching the gospel, and all of a sudden, God knocks on his door one day. Says, Philip, pack your bags, dude. You're going on a journey. But Lord, the church house is full. I've got a lot of folks. Now, I want you to go down to Obscure Road. I want you to go down to that that, that, that little way, deserted road where, where you're going to meet one fella, an Ethiopian eunuch. You're going to preach the gospel to him. Philip was willing to go. Lead the masses and serve the one. You see, the reality is none of us should be serving so that we get a big name. We all ought to be serving because we serve a big name. It doesn't matter if we're speaking to hundreds or if we're speaking to one. What matters is that we're speaking about the one. And these men were willing to go to anyone God told them to go to. The third thing that we need to understand if we're going to have a servant's heart, identify as a servant's heart, and recognize how to get a servant's heart, is they're willing to sacrifice anything. You see, not only are we needful to go wherever. We need to go to whoever. We're also willing to give up whatever. Timothy had given up his own interest to become a servant of Christ. Epaphroditus almost lost his life in service to the Lord. To the Ephesian elders, Paul said of his own ministry, I do not consider my life of any account as dear as myself in order that I may finish my course. And the the ministry which I received from the Lord Jesus to testify solemnly of the gospel of the grace of God. Acts chapter 20. Have you told the Lord lately? Lord, I'm willing to give up whatever. I'm willing to give up everything. My desires, my ambitions, my goals, my comfort, my time, my money. I'm willing to surrender all to you that I might serve you all the way. We need a servant's heart. We need more people with servant's hearts. Willing to go wherever God calls them to go. Willing to speak to whoever God lays on their heart. And willing to give up all that we have so that we might have all that he has. You know, Jesus made the point that, you know, we really don't love God until we we, we give up everything for him. But listen, let me give you a, a little end of the road history. Whatever you give up here doesn't compare to what he has waiting for you over there. And the amount of time that we have to give it up here is only a drop in the bucket compared to the time that we're going to have to enjoy it over there. I don't know about you, but I would rather have my eternity Than my temporal. Then Paul says that not only do we have to have a heart like that, but we have to have a heart that puts others ahead of ourselves. The Apostle Paul was in prison facing possible execution. Timothy was his right hand man, faithful man who served with Paul as a child served his father would have been understandable if Paul would have said to the Philippian church, I know you might need this, but, but listen, you don't understand. I'm in greater need than you. I need Timothy here. He's got a certain, I, I mean, i am in lockdown, and I, I need somebody to kind of run errands for me. I need somebody that I can count on. I need somebody that's going to say, you know, hang in there. I need him. Paul was not thinking about himself. He was thinking about others. He said he was willing to send Timothy for the sake of the Philippian church in spite of his own circumstances. The Philippians had been willing to serve Paul by giving monetary needs and sending Epaphroditus, who himself had been willing to serve to the brink of death on Paul's behalf. There are at least three ways that you can tell if you're putting others ahead of yourself. One, you will have a heartfelt love for them. If you look at these verses, you see that these verses are oozing with Paul's heartfelt love for Timothy, Epaphroditus, and for the Philippian believers. We also notice how Epaphroditus longed for the Philippians and and because the Bible says that Paul reminds us that he was distressed, he says, because they heard that he had been sick unto death. Paul wasn't afraid to show his human emotions and express his deep feelings for others. I'm telling you, folks, what the world needs most, yeah, we can go with that old cliche, what the world needs most is love. No, what the world needs most is the needs believers showing the world that we love one another better than ourselves. A world that is self-centered and self-giving and self-taking needs to see that there is a better way. And we as believers are to be living it. The second thing that he shows us is that you will show a genuine concern for others. Timothy had a genuine concern for these people in Philippi, which was revealed in his willingness to not seek his own interest, but the welfare of the church as a whole to go serve them. Let it be said of us that we too are not in it for our glory, but we're in it for others so that we can serve others for the cause of Christ. The third thing that we want to see is that if we're going to have a heart for others, you can work cooperatively with others. There is no one-man team. You know, you can't say, well, I'm a one-man show. No, listen, we're we're a body. We're made to work together. Just like the human body, God designed us in such a way, and he he, he used the illustration that we all come together to function together, working cooperatively for the cause and purpose of Christ. Timothy, Timothy served Paul like a child served his father, Paul and Epaph- uh, uh, Epaphroditus worked together harmoniously in the gospel cause to do what that, uh, um, they needed to do. To do that, you and I have to do what the Apostle Paul said he did every day. Die to self. Crucify our flesh. So that we can work hand in hand with those around us. Even though Paul was clearly the leader among this group, he didn't lord it over them. Notice what he says. He humbles himself and he calls himself fellow laborers, soldiers, teammates, all equal in the cause. There is no number one at the foot of the cross. We're all equal. When we come and serve the Lord, we come together and we join together as one. He deflects any glory from himself and he lifts up his brethren as faithful followers of Christ. Well, I don't know about you, but I'm willing to go work alongside somebody that says, you know what, I'm not, you know, uh, I, I'm not an underling. I, I, I'm just one together with them. I'm willing to trudge right through the muck, the mire, and whatever knowing that they're right there beside me. You know, we as Christians need to put others ahead of ourselves. And then the Apostle Paul says that, you know, not only do we need a heart that does that, we need to recognize that Um, there are hardships that come along life's journey. So let's look at a servant's hardships. Let me just remind you, if you haven't already figured it out, if you haven't been a Christian for more than five minutes, you probably already know this. But let me just say it anyways. Serving Christ is not easy. It's not easy in any situation. The world doesn't make it easy for us to serve Him. As a matter of fact... It makes it very difficult. As a matter of fact, the, the Bible, the New Testament, is filled with terminology that tells us that serving Christ is like being a soldier in a war. The term fellow soldier that the Apostle Paul uses implies that there is a warfare in this, it brings us under the, the, the withering attacks of an enemy. As a matter of fact, the scripture reminds us, James tells us that we have an adversary who is like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. We have an enemy who wants to hinder the cause of Christ in all of us. Just as soldiers must go through boot camp so that they can learn to endure the hardships that they will experience on the battlefield, so the Lord's servants must be tested so that we will be ready for what comes next. Paul mentions Timothy's fact that he has proven himself worthy. So in order for us to prove ourselves worthy, what does that mean? That he's been through hardships. Timothy has proven himself worthy. In other words, I put him to the test. I gave him opportunities, and he succeeded. The word means to be approved by testing. A product that has been approved by testing is a reliable product. Timothy has endured enough testing that Paul says, I know that he will be faithful. Testing or hardship in the Christian service can come in many forms, from many sources. Paul reminds us that hardships come from without and from within. Even in this letter that he's writing to the Philippian church, he reminds us that there are those from without and from within that are attacking even him. Paul was in prison due to hardships from without. But also he was under attack from those who preached the gospel from within, from envy and some selfish ambitions. Paul knew that the keen disappointment of professing Christians who were not faithful because they were living for themselves. It's often more difficult, my friends, and you you know this, it's more difficult to bear uh, the the brunt of an attack from those within the flock than it is from those outside. You know, I don't have a problem with the world telling me, you know, I'm I'm narrow-minded or I'm, you know, single-minded or whatever it is that they want to call me. Because I know that they are, are, are from without. They're on the outside and they're, they're not where they need to be. But you know how hard it is when God's people attack God's people and criticize and complain and judge? The Apostle Paul knew exactly what that felt like. He said it's most difficult to withstand an attack from within. He'd much rather be attacked from without but let's be careful that we're not attacking one another because we're attacked far too often from the outside world. We don't need to be doing it to ourselves. And then the Apostle Paul reminds us that hardship comes from the work itself. It's not only from the attacks from the outside and even those from within, but the fact that just serving Christ is hard. In 2 Corinthians chapter 11 Paul shares some thoughts with us in in verses 23 through 29. Paul categorizes the hardships that he had experienced as he served Christ. Such things as persecution, physical hardships, dangers that brought him into the brink of death, shipwreck and and starvation and and all of these other things that came upon him as he served the Lord. Intense concern for for the church in a world that was... uh, constantly against it. In our text today, he mentions his concern for the Philippian church. He mentions that Epaphroditus risking his life as well as his own concern about the church so that the work of the gospel involves both physical and emotional hardships that can wear us down. You know why we need the body of Christ? It's because when one member of the body of Christ is out there working and and diligently serving and they they get wore down and they can come back into the fold and they can be encouraged to continue on. Don't give up now. The goal is just around the corner. The finish line is close. We must not grow weary in well-doing. We must be there to support one another when the labors of this life for Christ are hard. We must be prepared for the hardships of serving the Lord and to rely on His sustaining grace, not our own strength or our own resources, but on the grace that comes from God and oftentimes brought to us by God's people grace and peace, Paul said, I bring unto you. God's grace. He pours out in me that I might pour out in you. God's grace. Because we have a servant's heart, we can be assured that we will go through the servant's hardships. But don't give up. Because if we will withstand the hardship of there is a promise of a servant's reward. And the Apostle Paul says, take a look at the servant's honor. We don't seek honor for ourselves. As a matter of fact, the Bible tells us that uh, God brings the pride, uh, proud down low, but He lifts up, exalts those who are humble. He says He doesn't want you to look for your own. He wants us to look to Him for His strength. His honor. He promises those who honor me, I will honor them. He will reward every faithful servant with a crown of righteousness. Any hardships we suffer now in serving Christ, we will well be worth when we stand before Him and receive the reward that He has for those who are faithful to Him. Matthew's gospel in chapter 25 and verse 21 reminds us that that we're looking forward to the words that says, well done, good and faithful servant. You are faithful in a few things and now I will put you in charge of many things. Enter now into the joy of your master. Paul here honors Timothy by sending him as his own representative He honors Epaphroditus by uh, commending him to the church and saying, Listen, when, when he gets back to you, don't fail to recognize him for his labor of love. Don't fail to recognize him for his service and commitment to God and to me. Hold men like that in high regard. Oh, that we ought to lift up one another and say, Well done. I've watched you. Great job. Now listen, none of us are looking for our pat on the back here, but it doesn't hurt every now and again to get a word of encouragement. Amen. I think you're sleeping. Would I would you rather I I gave you a word of discouragement or a word of encouragement? So let me close. Let me bring us back to where we are today. It's Memorial Day weekend. It is a time for us to give remembrance to those who have paid the ultimate price, made the ultimate sacrifice. How fitting that our passage of Scripture this morning gives us two great role models to follow. Timothy who lived for Christ and served others before himself, Epaphroditus, who was willing to suffer in order to do the work of Christ, are two examples in which we ought to be willing and want to follow after. We ought to remember them for their service. And in hopes that if we follow in those examples that someone will remember us for our service, for our faithfulness whatever your ministry to the body of Christ. Whatever it may look like, whatever it may be, whether we are like the Timothys, we're called to preaching and teaching, or we're like Epaphroditus, who is willing to be called to hands-on service, a servant's role. May the qualities of these men May the characteristics of their life be exemplified in us and through us. May we, like them, serve with genuine compassion for people sacrificing our own desires for the commitment to the gospel of Christ so that it will be proven in the end our faithfulness worth the time. Let's all strive to become imitators of Timothy and Epaphroditus, but not only of them, but remember the Apostle Paul, who doesn't put the spotlight on himself today, but upon those others. But beyond even the three of them, let us be reminded that the greatest Sacrifice that was ever made was not for America alone, but for the world. When Jesus Christ himself came and took upon himself the form of flesh to become a servant, even unto the death of the cross, for you and for me and for all who will believe, what a sacrifice of love offered for you let it be today that we remember that we too are called into a life of service and give our all for the cause of Christ and by the way If we do that, rather we ever join the military or not, we will be serving our country as well. What a day to be remembered. What a thing to be remembered for. Melba, if you don't mind, come to the piano. Um, I picked out a song, uh, 489, Pass Me Not Away. thought it went well with what I was doing today Ron so that's what I picked so if you don't mind come lead it Ron Um, and uh, with every head bowed and every eye closed I want to close with a prayer as they're getting ready to, to share father we are thankful for the men and women over the centuries that have given their lives so that we could be the country that we are so that the world would have freedoms that otherwise they would not have because we've stood up on the side of democracy and freedom and Lord we do that because we as a nation were founded on the principles of Christ and we have lived that out in many emphasis. but Lord we have lost our way we are not where we need to be as a nation so would you help us as believers become the servants that we need to be so that we could do what we need to do so that we could touch our nation in a powerful way Lord, I pray that if there are those here today that have a servant's heart, or maybe they're going through a servant's hardship, may you encourage them that there is honor at the end of our journey. May we remain faithful. And Lord, if we need a servant's heart, would you stir in them today, move in them, challenge them to be willing to go wherever, to whomever, And to give up whatever for the cause of Christ.